up, Internet? You don't want to start with maybe I'd like to take you out for coffee. My name is Matthew Kroll. Do you want to start World War III? My name is Shahir Dowd. And I know you do. I'm Izzy. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film West Side Story. Uh, it is a West Side Story today. Um, we, are we all on the West Side? No, we are on the East Side. I can't remember. We're north, South, East. I, I forget. Izzy, welcome back to the show, wherever <laughs> you are coming from. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be in that weird mid-space between Christmas and New Year's where nobody does anything. It is yeah. so <laughs> fucking lovely, is it not? This this space where we can literally become the couch should we choose is a, a, a blessing. I, I cannot. Uh, it's what I wish for all of my friends, and I'm glad you are there with us. Um, Izzy from the phenomenal YouTube channel. If, you, if for, for those not uh, associated with the the deep philosophical lore of the Topham extended family, Izzy is from the phenomenal YouTube channel. Be kind, rewind. Um, if you have not liked, subscribed, uh, smash that bell, whatever YouTubers do at this point, please go do so right now. Um, but yeah, we are here to discuss a story. <laughs> that I'm a little embarrassed about. Not oh. about the movie. Not about the movie, everybody. But I realized today, as I was watching this, that I don't know if I ever actually saw West Side Story before. <laughs> well, I can uh, I can save you some embarrassment by saying I also had not seen West Side Story uh, up until a couple of weeks ago. And I oh. want to say this. The first thing I did after I watched West Side Story, and this was before we'd even uh, had a conversation about doing the episode, uh, before I even reached out to Izzy, uh, the first thing I did was look up Izzy's YouTube channel <laughs> and watch a video that she had produced uh, about Rita Moreno's history. And then I was really excited when I figured out that Izzy was going to do another episode specifically comparing uh, the 1963 version and the 2021 version of West Side Story. So those videos are available right now and are a great primer if you haven't seen or if you're like Matt and I, had not seen the original West Side Story. Um, Izzy, when did you see the original West Side Story? Was it a formative film for you when you uh, were growing up? Or how, how did you come to see it originally? Um, it definitely was. I mean, I feel like I saw it when I was in grade school or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in a mu musical theater loving family. So like right. Barbara Streisand CDs in the car, <laughs> you know, um, always going to my sister's high school, like musical performances and all that kind of stuff. And she was actually in West Side Story in high school when she was a freshman. So I remember. Oh, who'd she play? She was just in the chorus. Okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But um, I just remember that was when the household kind of got into it. Like, that's when the CD was playing all the time because we were just trying to or she was trying to memorize the music and we watched the movie and all of that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of been part of our, you know, regular rotation, I would say, um, at our house. We all just we love Stephen Sondheim. We love any musical theater really so yeah it's been part of my uh my favorites for a while and of course uh we should mention that stephen sondheim recently passed away so the 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 this episode is in some way a tribute to his work uh but uh, if not anything um my introduction to stephen sondheim as as a player was or as as someone 
uh, as a songwriter of note, was through Marriage Story, oddly, where his uh, song, is it from Company, I believe, that he gets yeah, that, that gets performed there? Yeah. yeah, which I didn't know much about until I saw Marriage Story. So uh, as we've discussed on the show previously, I, despite growing up in a Bollywood-obsessed household, uh, being an Indian kid uh, in Fiji, uh, musical theater is just not something I am particularly uh, well-versed in. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting topic because I, I have a lot of thoughts about this all, and I'm glad you're here to join us. Uh, but Matt, it's also, this is our first episode back for the new year. I uh, just wanted to check in with everyone. How was your Christmas, New Year's? Things are ch- the, the landscape has changed somewhat uh, since the last time we spoke. Um, so just how, you know, like, how is everyone doing? Fine, I guess. <laughs> I, the, the world is backsliding, which is fun. Not really. Um, the holidays were good. Got to go up and and, and and take COVID tests and be safe with the fam, and that's nice. Um, I actually was planning on, I was up in New Hampshire uh, with my family uh, and Jamie, and I was planning on us going to go see West Side Story there, mm-hmm. uh, but it turned out that my mother had already seen it, and I oh, was sort of- Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't go because we were spending time with the folks, so I, I couldn't do that. Hence, literally this morning, I got up and I went to, oh, ooh, ooh, here's a fun thing. <laughs> I saw it at Lincoln Square. Okay. Right outside where the, the, the destruction of, uh, of the, uh, of the titular film was happening. Yes, and I felt very connected to the narrative instantly when you saw like the architecture drawings of like what's going to go there, like the mat and like all this other stuff, like like the 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 I don't know. It felt it felt very nice um, right. and weird and cool to be like in that spot, which is bad that you're in that spot because you're sitting in the thing that ripped up all those neighborhoods. <laughs> but yeah. like, I think they uh, had the premiere there too. Did which they? apparently it got. Everybody was sort of nervously laughing. <laughs> yeah, that it's, part. it's an odd moment. Um, but yeah, that was, I was very excited about that theater. What about what about you, Izzy? How was your How were your holidays? Very good. Uh, just truly <laughs> working <laughs> from home right. and trying to finish all of these projects. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just very nice to be like not expected to go anywhere or do anything, so I can just be in sweatpants and play with my cat and what? do nothing else. Yeah. What is the what is the Christmas rotation movie uh, in in your household uh, before we move on to West Side Story? Oh, um, I don't love Christmas movies to be honest. But doesn't have to be a Christmas movie. Oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre gets a lot of play at Christmas <laughs> in my house for some reason. <laughs> my mom loves Scrooge, like the Albert oh, yeah, yeah. one. She loves yep. it. Okay, so that ha- that gets a lot of play at our house. I actually haven't seen that one, but I the the Richard Donner Bill Murray uh, update uh, gets a lot of play uh, in my house and was particularly creepy if if I remember correctly. I am still I still stand for uh, Jingle All the Way, the most honest Christmas movie ever made <laughs> um, about annual gift giving day. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. She wait, hold on. What about you, buddy? What, you you had a interesting Christmas, did you not? 
I did. So a couple of things have happened. First off, uh, I made the trip back to the movie theaters and uh, apologies, I couldn't be on the Spider-Man No Way Home episode. Uh, I had booked a ticket, but unfortunately the situation changed and uh, I opted not to go to the movie theater um, that night because the Omicron variant had, had started sweeping. Uh, and luckily so, because we ended up having, a co- we have a COVID case in my household, which is my youngest son, uh, my only son, uh, who's five years old, has COVID or has tested positive for COVID. So we have been quarantined so when you mentioned like you love being the couch, we are actually trapped on the couch right now um, as a family um, because we are unable to move, which is great. There's been a couple of things. One is um, I made a promise to myself that Spider-Man No Way Home could not be the first movie I see back in a movie theater. I was like, there's just no way, no how that is going to happen. Uh, so I actually there, I actually managed to get to two movies before the Omicron variant took over. Uh, the fr- and, and both of them were very calculated risks that I had made or calculated choices. Uh, the first was, uh, I believe the distributor of this particular film had four-walled this theater in a movie theater in... Uh, in Jamaica, um, Jamaica, Queens, and that was Celine Siama's film, Petit Maman. Uh, so, uh, and they had four-walled it there without any advertising whatsoever um, and and only for one week. So I drove all the way out there uh, and, and kind of knew that this would be the case, but I was literally the only person in the movie theater uh, when I went to see it. And it is delightful, by the way. Izzy, you were there for the last Celine Siama film that we did, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and Petite Maman is a worthy, worthy follow-up. It'd probably end up on the best of list if, if we could discuss it on this podcast. Um, the second was, I mean, I made another calculated risk before Spider-Man, uh, as Spider-Man No Way Home came out i i i looked at all the screenings and i knew very sort of um instinctively that the local theater that i that we both go to the astoria kaufman would be playing spider-man on every single screen and sure it was uh but there was one screening devoted to west side story and i went to that and sure enough at 10 p.m i was the only person in the theater again um so that has been my return to the movie movie theaters which has now been abruptly cut short because we are um um now back in a sort of quarantine situation uh just to put it out there we have no symptoms whatsoever but we're just trying to be responsible because sure. it is a five-year-old child and uh, and you know we don't want any of his friends to get sick or anything like that so we he he by the way is absolutely loving this because he gets <laughs> to be at home he has no symptoms uh he, so he's just like he, he is watching more tv than he has ever watched in his entire life uh i will say shout out to youtuber mark rober who is keeping us in entertained uh, <laughs> as a family unit um and then i uh because we're separating in different parts of the house uh, of the apartment which is not a very big apartment um i basically am like stuck in a bedroom uh by myself with uh, a playstation and and a projector and um uh i've caught up with a lot of movies that uh that i hadn't seen in a while and uh, just most notably there i think um is it might have been with you that we talked about the fact that I'd personally insulted Jane Campion at some point <laughs> yeah. over, on a phone, yeah. on a phone call once, uh, but it had always been a part, uh, a secret shame of mine, which is that I'd never actually seen uh, her her most fil- famous film, which was The Piano, uh, and as a New Zealander, that is a pretty shocking omission. But I finally watched The Piano a couple of nights ago, and oh my god, my mind was blown, and I was I was very upset at myself for not having watched that movie uh, so much sooner because it is uh, incredible. Um, so I'm very glad. So we have COVID, but I have movies. If that makes sense, I guess it does. 
I was gonna say, you did text me asking about projector errors and the Matrix resurrection or whatever, which I thought <laughs> yeah. was out of character for you. So this explains a lot of what's I going on. I literally have, I was just like, I, uh, so, so my wife and I, we were like, let's watch a new movie. And I was like, well, the Matrix is out. So we tried to watch the Matrix, but for some reason, the HBO Max app was constantly crashing only with, um, only with uh, the Matrix for some reason. So I, I think instead... On the H, I think it was on the HBO Max Edge. I I watched the original Cape Fear instead, which was also amazing. Robert Mitchum in that movie uh, is terrifying. Like I I I didn't think anyone could be scarier than Robert De Niro in the Martin Scorsese remake, but Robert Mitchum is pretty scary in that first in the in the original film. So again, I've just been watching movies. I I've been making it a point to just like watch a movie a night, if if not more than one. Um, okay. So yeah, right. that, that that's where I'm at at this point. I well, have a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts about West Side Story that I want to try and articulate in this episode, um, but I'm not sure if I've quite figured them all out at this point. So I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Shahir and Izzy, yeah. would it be helpful if I were to? Oh, I don't know. Read the Internet Movie Database description of West Side Story. Sure, go ahead. Do. All right. An adaptation of the 1957 musical West Side Story explores forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. Accurate. Sounds like the musical. It sure did. Thank you, IMDb. Izzy, in your video, which compared... um, both versions of the of West Side, both uh, cinematic adaptations of West Side Story, you sort of say this very quickly, and I was like, I should go and read about this, but actually, I'd rather just talk to you about. It. Maybe you can just answer this question very quickly. Uh, but the original uh, West Side Story for, uh, was directed by Robert Wise and Jerome um, Jerome Robbins, but you mm-hmm. mentioned very quickly that Jerome Robbins was fired from that film, and I and this was a fact I was very unaware of. Could you fill us in on that little tidbit? Sure. So Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins were um, basically recruited to work in tandem together. The thought being Jerome Robbins had directed it on the stage and he would be able to sort of translate a lot of the dance numbers into film, but he would Mm -hmm. be sort of a first time film director and they didn't really want to invest that much money um, into that. So they thought he could share duties with Robert Wise, who... Um, I, th- I mean, I think he edited Citizen Kane yeah, he came he did, up, yeah. as an editor and had been directing a couple of films before then. So they felt very comfortable with that. Um, so the first things that they decided to shoot were all of the location uh, shots or scenes in New York and were mm-hmm. mostly by Robbins. Um, and he is an extreme perfectionist. To the point mm-hmm. where it was very frustrating. They were running out of money very quickly. Shoots were going months over what they were supposed to. Um, and so by the time they were wrapping in New York and they got to L.A., they were just so severely over budget, like <laughs> to the <laughs> point where I think it maybe became one of the most expensive movies ever made at that point. Right. Yeah. Um and uh, he had just basically used all of their resources in the first like couple of months of shooting. Um, so they basically were like, we can't deal with this anymore. Like he's gonna basically ruin us. So they had to fire <laughs> him. 
Um, but he, <laughs> it was eventually negotiated that he would share director's credit, even though he only directed about a third of the film. Oh yeah, so All I was right. very unaware of that. So I I was very aware of Robert Wise because because of the Citizen Kane connection. Also, he directed one of my favorite noirs, Odds Against Tomorrow. Um, famously, he also directed The Sound of Music and um, Star Trek. Um, so Robert Wise is a you know stalwart of American cinema, probably not as well known to most people, but you know one of his films at least won Best Picture, uh, which is of course West Side Story. Um, uh, but I was very unaware of this of this uh, this background with Rob- Jerome Robbins as well. When you you mentioned that you had an affinity for um, West Side Story because of the, the sort of growing up in a musical theater background, again I feel West Side Story is uh, when we did our episode on In the Heights, West Side Story came up in that conversation uh, as an important facet of Ameri- of American musical theater. I mean, where would you rank it? as far or you know where would you place it as far as um cinematic adaptations of musical theater or you know musicals in the movies where where does west side story kind of sit for you oh probably close to the very top if not the top um i mean i think you just have a lot of gene literal geniuses working at the top of their game you know you have some of the 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 way that Jerome Robbins shot his dances specifically in the prologue, I think no one had ever seen anything like that ever done before. So it mm-hmm. feels very, very different from other movie musicals from the time. Uh, and it's just very intense for a lot of movie <laughs> musicals. I don't know. I think it, it, it basically is able to blend the sort of, very strange fantasy notion of people bursting into song with, mm. with like a believability factor that I think a lot of people have trouble with, with a lot of movie musical or musicals in general. So it's kind of like a good gateway drug. Like if you're into, if you're not into musicals, but you're open to it, people usually say try cabaret or try West side story. And I think that's because those two do make that balance um, very accessible. The 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 physic I noticed anyway that the physicality of the like intensity of dance moves and I don't just mean that in the large numbers like at the dance itself but like when they're like snapping and going down the street and like moving like the movements of the dance are like harsh to be cons- and I don't mean that as a criticism I mean that as a like that's an affect of the movement that they are doing that it's it's elegant but it is threatening in mm. a way. And I think that that, like, if you're looking at the idea of two street gangs about to rumble, (laughs) there would be threatening movements involved. So to know that kind of going in or sort of, you know, understand that about this this sort of weird, uh, sadly human thing that's going on with this conflict, um, dance is, like, not that far separated from that, like, action, from, like, a different sort of thing. So I do think... There's a weird like ease of connection between the the dancing elements of this musical in particular. You know, I would call it. I don't want to go as far as saying like uh, you know because it's about sound, but like diegetic versus non diegetic. But like there's dancing that takes place at a dance because people are dancing, mm-hmm. and then there's dancing that happens like to get people pumped up or to like get like to keep a gun away from someone or to like threaten a group of people. Like it all sort of connects and the, the physicality of the movement crosses that threshold quite easily. So I could see that happening a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's just a lot easier for people to connect a plot point. Like the first 10 minutes of the movie are 
just explaining the dynamic between these two gangs and it's all done through dance which is just more i think engaging for broader audiences than say if you're pausing for 10 minutes in an american in paris to do like a very glittery kind of ballet that just sort of uh set, tells you that people are falling in love <laughs> right <laughs> which right, right, i right, right. love i love that but i i understand why it's like harder to, to get into that than yeah than something like this yeah and and i think uh when we talked about musicals before i think i i do for some reason i think bat up against the uh you know the sort of the age-old question of the musical which i think is the the sort of uh suspension of disbelief which is required in a musical which is like why are they singing uh or why are they dancing is that kind of question happens at the start of every musical uh for me and it's it's, it's often a hump i struggle to get over with but most of the times i'm kind of there but I, it's not a genre that i've really gravitated towards or know a lot about and and i was listening to uh a couple of podcast discussions about it and they the, the conversations revolved around exteriority versus interiority for musicals. And the what I what sort of connected for me as I realized that probably my favorite musical is a modernist musical, which is uh, not everybody's favorite, but Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark. Um, I, I, I love that musical um, because, uh, A, it's particularly interior, which I think just I respond to very well. And then secondly, um, it goes out of its way to try and explain the mechanism of musicality in that film, um, which I think just allows me a kind of gateway to get into it. I will say, watching West Side Story, the, the 1960, 61, I think I said 63 before, uh, 61 version, I was pretty dazzled by the... Uh, uh, while the the musicality was pretty amazing and the dance was incredible, the actual camera work and the seventy millimeter camera and the Technicolor and the the kind of audacity of visual effects that were going on in the film were pretty remarkable. And I, I as we jump over into Spielberg's version, I will say, um, I think I was actually more impressed by the visuality of, or the visuals of the original than I was with the remake. Uh, I, I, I do think they're pretty, it, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does feel pretty experimental at points and unusual, particularly around the, the meetings of uh, Tony and Maria uh, at the dance hall with the sort of like um, blurred vignettes that they're, that they're applying and the, the sort of floating effects. I, I did think it was all, um, pretty bold and dazzling for what was ostensibly like a big budget kind of theatric you know like musical experience it really did feel quite experimental totally yeah and i mean even the just bringing the dance into the street was just kind mm. of experimental in and of itself putting you know digging into the sidewalk and putting a camera um basically at ground level so you can shoot you know that one shot of the the three sharks when they're all kicking up and in the background it's just sort of like a flat building um, it's yeah. sort of like the iconic picture that is circulated quite often with that movie. And I mean, even that is just so simple, but it's really stunning. Um, and I don't think we get very many simple, iconic uh, images out of movie musicals anymore. They kind of ascribe to the belief that more is more. <laughs> and yeah. um, I think a lot of classic musicals um refute that and prove that you don't have to do a lot as long as you're just letting people be talented <laughs> you'll yeah. you'll 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 get what you need 
there is obviously a little bit of an elephant in the room with uh, with the original West Side Story, and that is its its uh, usage of well, it it's the way representation is handled, the way ethnicity is handled, the way race is handled. Uh, and as a person who was, uh, as a as a person of color and someone who was viewing it for the very first time without really much of the historical import of the film kind of weighing down on, on the, on me as the significant, as, as a significant work of art, uh, the, the, the Rita Moreno in, you know, who is uh, a Puerto Rican actress, but covered and caked in, brown face was very difficult to watch and very uh i I, there was just a barrier where i had to go well this is very much of its time but it it certainly felt um uh there was a quote i pulled up (laughs) i i started reading a lot of articles today and uh there was a quote i pulled up from uh uh, an essay by francis negron montana who wrote uh, this article, Feeling Pretty, West Side Story in Puerto Rican Identity Discourses. And she wrote this, and this is a little bit of a long quote, but I, but I kind of just wanted to pull it up because, I, again, I was struggling to kind of articulate how I was feeling about the whole, about West Side Story as an endeavor full stop, not the move, mm-hmm. not, you know, each movie distinct from each other. Uh, but she wrote this, in a general sense, West Side Story is the Puerto Rican birth of a nation, a blatant, seminal, uh, racialized, aestheticized eruption uh, into the national consciousness. The praising of West Side Story as a technical achievement is also consistent with the way that race has been at the core of fundamental innovations in American cinema. The most obvious being the birth of a nation, 1915 narrative, the jazz singer, 1927 synchronized sounds, and Gone with the Wind, 1939 color. In this sense... We can say that racial tropes not only fold cinematic invention, but also synthesize national allegories of race relations. Uh, a simple visual reading of West Side Story and Birth of a Nation finds relevant com- commonalities in narrative strategies, such as the use of blackface and brownface, as well as an anti-miscegenation motif. Different from Birth of a Nation, however, West Side Story posits an extra-filmic utopia of integration. I, I, I pull that up because it sort of, I, I think that articulated my my again coming at it coming at West Side Story as a completely new viewer who had not seen this before had kind of like a loose understanding of what the music the numbers were who sort of knew what you know and that was about it um so and your video essays kind of tackle this topic both the Rita Marino and the and the um the comparison of the two compare these two having grown up with the with the original how do you sort of navigate that topic in when revisiting West Side Story? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think like when I was watching it as a 10 year old, I didn't notice. Yeah, of course. No, (laughs) why would you? I mean, that's kind of something that I also am thinking a lot about now is just like, what did that do to me? And what did I grow up thinking because of this movie that I don't even, that I'm not even aware of. Do you know what I mean? Like I just grew up sort of blindly thinking like, this is a great movie. And like, it's the Jets and the Sharks. And like, it's whatever. Best picture winner. You know, like if if I had grown up with that, I would think the same thing. Right. So um, I, I don't think that there's a great answer to this question. I mean, now having, you know, lived a lot longer and learned a lot more and met a lot more people and, heard so many more different perspectives like of course I have like a much more complicated understanding of what what that movie means to me and what it means to literally an entire culture that I'm not a part (laughs) of that I never um 
would have known at that time. I think for me, I still, you know, enjoy the story. I am obsessed with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also can't separate like my love of it from also my skepticism and like criticism of it, which is that like, obviously that that's wrong. I can't go back in time and fix it. No, but I think it's important, especially in situations like this or like the 2009 revival that you have to advocate, like putting the right people in the room for Mm. like any of those um, revivals to occur so that like those questions and those mistakes and those biases like aren't recurring in the future. Like, I think that's the most important aspect of it is to sort of a acknowledge uh, that sure it's a great film but it has problems mm-hmm. and then be like ensure that because it is a, something unlike gone with the wind or birth of a nation that is likely to come up again and again mm. uh, and be reproduced then you have to be extra vigilant about how it's reproduced um so that's sort of where i stand i guess yeah and i and i think the 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 question of its remake or the the why of its remake uh, this certainly has been part of the ethos around the why of its remake and any of the publicity materials you'll see with Steven Spielberg talking about the, the sort of redressing of the of the historical um, slight uh, offenses that the original film made, uh, even to the extent of uh, not uh, making a point of not subtitling the Spanish language parts because Spielberg felt that that would be... Um, a diminishment of the Spanish language, which was important to redress in this version. Um, so there, I, 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 hundred percent think that that you know is kind of where we're at with this. I also just wanted to make a note. It occurred to me when I was when I was writing my notes for this film and some of my sort of thematic thoughts about the remake that I realized that there has been a thematic through line with every one of your appearances on the, on the show, and and I was like, oh, these are actually all very similar takes or and and I don't mean this to happen but it, it feels like we invite you because we have similar questions or we're we're navigating similar topics and I I wanted to kind of unify them and I, I felt like what we often end up talking about and I think we will talk about in this particular episode is what I'm calling uh nostalgia modernism and the function of art in all the films that we've kind of discussed, Mank in particular, um, Little Women, we had um, even Portrait of a Lady of, on Fire, there have been films which are dealing with memory, nostalgia, and the function of art within that world. And I think in the case of West Side Story, we'll be similarly, well, at least the, the thing that I'm interested in here is the, is the, the, reason, the rationalization for reproducing this particular piece of art today uh, at a, at a, contextual level so it's it's uh, i i i wonder how we ended up in that way but but um it's kind of interesting that we have yeah i mean i think the question of like why this film and why those filmmakers specifically is a really interesting one because <laughs> yeah. like i mean truly i've watched so many interviews with steel with spielberg and um not as many with kushner but it does sound like west side story was formative for him as Mm -hmm. a cinephile growing up and you know when he thought about what is his musical I guess he turned to West Side Story which is like (laughs) I mean I just think that's kind of like absurd an absurd level of ego that I fundamentally don't understand and I'm not I'm saying this as like a kind of a fan of his of his work 
on this yeah. film. I'm just like, uh, I would simply not be like, I love this thing and I'm going to do my spin on it. And he keeps yeah. saying like, it's the musical, but then sometimes he makes mistakes where he's like, well, we didn't do this like in the musical, but that's not what happens in the musical. It's what happens in the movie. And you're just right. like, okay, I'm, I'm sure you were like, wink, wink, making the musical. <laughs> like, yeah. There. Well, that was, that was sort of my, my question going in. Cause again, I do not have a history with this at all. I mean, I, I, I've, I have, um, uh, culturally absorbed through the zeitgeist the many things from West Side Story that just are in literal almost all of pop culture, be it the songs or various mannerisms or or things that sort of happen. But I, I to the point where it was another one of those, oh, I didn't realize I hadn't seen this whole film or musical in, in, in its entirety. And then it got me thinking, because it's so well-loved, like, yeah, why... Why are we remaking this? Not not to not to knock the th- this production of it, not to knock the 2021 film because I I enjoyed my time with it. But I was like isn't this already the thing it like it, it got me for two reasons. One, we already have even though it is in many ways that have already been outlined here, uh you know, there's elements of problematic things in it, but two, it's also in my opinion anyway, and maybe this is wrong, sort of just like another adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, right? Like it's it's a it's a story that's quite classic. I mean, there's there's variances, of course, and 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 I would argue that in a modern context, West Side Story is more I don't know, not I won't say interesting, because that depends on your preferences, but more relevant than a Romeo and Juliet to modern day context. Um so I was just sort of like, Izzy, to your point, like, there is a level of, 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 and if anyone's going to have this hubris, Spielberg should probably have it, of <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to remake this movie. I love this movie. I'm going <laughs> to do it my way. And it's like, I don't know if I would, with anything, like, I don't know if I would do that. If I, like, loved something so hard, I wouldn't remake it. So I was just curious, like, right. where. Yeah, where do we think this is coming from? Like, what's the? Has anyone seen interviews? I mean, you said you watched a bunch, but like, why? Like, what's the point? And especially one that like is sort of notoriously difficult in terms of like, yeah, representation and all of that. Which like, I yeah. I totally appreciate that they were trying their utmost to you know come at it from that angle specifically, which is something mm-hmm. obviously the original filmmakers did not do. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think thinking about this a lot it's sort of i was thinking about when i was making my video about a star is born and comparing the different Mm -hmm. versions of that Mm -hmm. because this one sort of felt like the middle one if that makes sense right right okay it feels like it feels very like of our time so specifically that like when they make another one in another 60 years we'll look back Mm -hmm. and like look at certain aspects of it as being a little like so emblematic of 2021 yeah right. that like it'll seem maybe a little like dated and silly yeah i can see that that makes <laughs> there's sense. also there the, in the interviews that i saw with spielberg when he talked about this the word that kind of struck struck me in terms of his thinking now again we should preface steven spielberg probably one of the foremost 
populist filmmakers of the 21st century. Um, if prob- you haven't heard of him. <laughs> if you haven't heard of him, check out a few of his films. I'm sure you'll like them. Um, you know, Some have dinosaurs. <laughs> um, at the forefront of American cinema, um, perhaps, prob- perhaps peerless, although seemingly, um, I think interestingly, at the without saying it in a way that is um uh reductive but you know at the tail at, at, towards the end of his career or or coming up towards the end of his career he's in his 70s i believe um but but the word that kept coming up as he was discussing it was challenge uh he said he kept he kept repeating the challenge of the musical to me and and i think again that is that's that's an interesting one for spielberg because he is a filmmaker who has traversed so many genres and so successfully that a musical seems like one of the few things he hasn't done um so I, it seemed like it was, um, and again, this will be this will sound reductive, but I don't think it is because I think Spielberg's uh, too smart a filmmaker to kind of treat it this way. But it did feel like I haven't made, you know, like in a career that is that uh, expansive, that successful, uh, that significant to American cinema you know not having this one genre in there felt like a a, a bow that needed to be you know like a a, a, ch- a box that needed to be checked uh particularly for someone who loved the genre himself you know so i think uh, it was sort of spurred by the sense that i'm spielberg i need to make a musical at some point and this is it totally and i think i, I mean we've seen i mean it's like scorsese doing new york new york right which is like yeah, essentially right. another version of a star is born as well so it's yeah. sort of like I don't know. We've seen this before, I guess, in other. Yeah. But I, and but that's another one where it's like that clearly came from Scorsese's love of like classic film and his mm-hmm. love of musicals and just sort of just spilling out in something that like isn't his typical genre, but is nonetheless pretty compelling. So, Matt, I think we maybe since you've got the freshest take on the film, um, what was your response to the material at, you know, at at first glance? So, okay, overall, really dug it. I I think the the production, uh, the the production value, I guess, or like even just go with like set design, VFX, all this stuff to make you feel like you're in this, you know, what, 20 blocks-ish of space, even though it's really like two blocks that we sort of see, uh, felt very, like, real and lived in, and I always really appreciate that. Every moment felt like an actual spot in this place. And, you know, it's uh, I've done enough um, episodes of the, of the YouTube, of the extra history stuff, to like we've talked a lot about like we did a whole episode on highway displacement and like mm. the way that like the way that things the way that a uh, very unfairly the United States has just taken groups that are living a place and be like you know it'd be great if we did something else with the spot you're living <laughs> and i mean that goes that's that's a rich american heritage back to when we first got here so uh it, it 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 to that it was sort of like a really interesting backdrop to see and see so uh i guess clearly shown uh and i i can't speak to the other versions and i'm sure both of you can let me know but like uh it the futility of the jets versus the sharks in this one was clear from like the very beginning when the cops break them up they're like hey you're all gone so what the fuck are you doing like this is done like you don't why are you fighting over this dirt patch you're going to be living in for three weeks like what's the fucking point like there was a real like oh shit but they're going to keep going and i really liked that from a 
I don't know, from a, I guess, like, the way humans work sort of way. <laughs> I just was like, yeah, this checks out. Um, I loved every large number mm. in this movie. I absolutely adored. I was just sort of enamored uh, either in the dance hall or even the fights. But whenever there was, like, a, a wider shot with many, many people I was in, and whenever there was non-musical stuff going on, I was really in. I got thrown out really hard during any any number that was one or just two people doing mm. a musical number. Mm. And I was trying to place why. And I, I, I don't have 100% of a reason for this, but like everything in the larger moments or anything with any sort of action or dance or movement or, or large groups, et cetera, camera you know, pulls, pushes, moves, whatever, felt so intentional. And when it was a smaller moment with one actor or two actors sort of in a, in a single song or a duet, and this is going to be the most insulting thing I ever say to Steven Spielberg, and I very much apologize <laughs> he for He is listening, by the way. In advance. Steven, <laughs> buddy, I'm so sorry about this. However, comma, but it felt like no one knew what to do with the camera. Like, it felt really weird and like, oh, we're, okay, over the shoulder, over the shoulder, now here. Oh, we broke the 180 rule, cool. Okay, wait, now we're back. And I'm like, where the fuck am I? Like, I I got pulled out real hard anytime we were in an intimate moment with song. And it was only in song. Like, I don't know... I don't know. I can't fully place it, and I feel bad sort of, like, ragging on it in that point, but, like, every time I was like, what's happening? Why Why are you pulling me out of this beautiful world you've built? What's going on? Um, and and so, so beyond that, uh, that was my only sort of like technical hiccup, which I got over because I think the film is really, really fun and beautifully shot and 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 excellent. My only other thing, and this might be with the story in general, and I don't know if this is moving on with the times or or, or what the thing was. But I got to say, everybody, Shahir, Izzy, listeners at home, Maria gets over Tony killing her brother <laughs> real fucking quick. And and it, and it, I was like, whoa, what? And I get it. There's a song between her and Anita. And like, I get, I, I get it. I get it. It's a, I, it's a musical. I get it. But, like, that bucked me real hard <laughs> plot-wise at that point. And I was like, I don't know what to think anymore. Like, do just you murder gotta blame, brother. You got to blame Shakespeare for that one, to be honest. Yeah, I'm afraid. <laughs> sure. Yes, it's, it's 100%. A built into but, the text. But even in Romeo and Juliet, what I'm trying to... God, it's been so long. Uh, uh, Montague, Montague's in the Capulets. Tybalt, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Tybalt is what Juliet's... Who's Juliet's cousin that dies? Like, it's not quite the same. Juliet's not yeah. living with the dude that dies in her family unit. <laughs> like, this is the dude who you're living with, who your best friend seemingly with his fiance or at least longtime uh, partner. Uh, side mate, side note, uh, Ariana Du Bois honestly stole the entire fucking show for me. The entire yeah, thing. She- Every time I was like, and I'm back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And again. This is it's it's a problem with the text, not the not the not this instant not this instance of it. But I got really like, mother, you it, he's, he, he well, stabbed him. Everyone likes Anita, right? Because Anita like blows everything up. Yes, yeah. she's like honestly, actually, fuck both of you. She's <laughs> like, the star of the original, the and she's the star of this one. 
Yeah. Like she is, and, she is the most interesting character in both in both versions. Yeah. When she blows it up, it's kind of a it's an act that would be seen as cruel if not for everything that had happened to her. Mm. And and in that moment you get that like, yeah, fuck these people. <laughs> like like, yep, that's it. Tell him this. Bye. Like I don't know. I felt I. I she was my absolute favorite. Uh, second only. Uh, second. Uh, a close second would be Rita uh, Morno uh, as Valentina. Marina. I thought yeah. was uh, was was really really good. Anyway, I, I've rambled too long. Those were I overall really liked it. Those are my two sort of hitch points. <laughs> Single to double song things, what's going on with the camera, and Maria flips real easy near the end, but that's more of a structural thing. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would, and it just got me thinking about the structure of these of these stories. Izzy, well, um, I, you've done a lot of analytical work on this, but uh, even just from, a, you know, as a lover of the original, how did the, the Spielberg version kind of stack for you? Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I think I was sort of shocked because I thought I was going to hate it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the um, promotional material just looked really bad. Like, is it just yeah. all of the promotional material just look awful? I was <laughs> not pumped to watch it. I'm yeah. straight up. I got to the Lincoln Center Theater at 1130 and I'm like, here I go. Like, I was excited to talk to both of you. But that was it. Like, I was not <laughs> excited for the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just sort of like, why does this need to exist? Whatever. But I thought that they made a lot of changes, or enough changes, I should say, to where it felt like its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't, obviously, it's a, you know, reproduction or like a revival or however you want to put it. But it, like, it felt very much like they intentionally put their own stamp on it. And so that mm-hmm. made it like a lot easier for me to kind of absorb it as its own thing and not just feel like defensive of the old one the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just, I mean, it's just an instinctual, like I, I don't want to be that person, but it's like very, <laughs> you know, I, I fight it. Um, no, I mean, I think the cast was wonderful. I really liked, you know, pretty much everyone in it. Um, it's just really nice to have people who can sing, <laughs> yeah, do their own roles. No offense to our dearly departed Natalie Wood, but you know. Yeah. Um, and then I, I sort of actually agree with some of the camera work. I just generally don't love shaky cam, like natural. We're in it, like whatever kind mm. of camera work. Um, so that it took me a second to sink into, um, and then with. Uh, sort of what I was saying earlier about like more not being more all of the time yeah. like a mm. lot of the the choreography for example in tonight I was like a little nostalgic for them just like sitting and looking at each other <laughs> you know mm. is it just it yeah. feels a little a lot less complicated um that, that particular sequence when he's climbing up the the stairwell the staircase and then yeah. she's looking down through the grate and then they have to navigate it, it, there's a lot going on there it's right? a lot yeah. They go back to like and back to one. Like yeah. they go back to a couple different positions multiple times mm-hmm. in that sequence, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think generally some of I loved the Officer Krupke number, um, yep. mm-hmm. maybe even more than in the original film. Um, yeah. That's just so hard to do to like, especially mm-hmm. in a room <laughs> like that, mm-hmm. to sort of make it interesting and fun. Yeah. And and all of those actors were really amazing who were in that scene. Um, I thought the updated choreography was like, okay, generally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I like Justin Peck a lot. I go to a lot of actually his 
ballets when I can mm-hmm. um, at Lincoln Center, coincidentally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, again, see, this is me just being an asshole again, but it's like, <laughs> How can you top Jerome Robbins? You can't. Yeah. But, right. you know, he did a good job. You know? You're in good company with being an asshole. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just thought it was um, a really cool update. And so I think conscious of what people want to see out of movies in a way that sometimes I found really refreshing and sometimes I found really frustrating. Mm. Um I'll give an example of that in, ter- in terms of something I found frustrating as an update. Like <laughs> I think there was sort of um, more attention pl- paid to how the jets and the sharks are divided, not just like ethnically against each other, but also like gendered within their groups. Right. So like right. Anita, how she um, has disagreements with Bernardo or like the, the jet girls, you know, yeah. So the part where, <laughs> the part where, um, what's Anita is coming yeah. into, the re- into the into docks. Into docks, yeah. And anybody's is like, watch out, you should leave. And then and then the Jet girls are all like, no, don't hurt her, don't hurt her. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, I feel like this is just super 2021, and in 1960, <laughs> this absolutely would not have happened. <laughs> like, right. I just don't buy that anybody's would spend the entire movie trying to be a part of the jets and then all of a sudden be like actually though i'm just looking out for you girl <laughs> like right like it just felt in, so in both films that that scene in docks in both films is quite uh is quite a moment because you realize the extent at which the jets are sinister towards anita or you know like yeah. without giving away are willing to rape her um yeah. essentially uh and it, it's quite a surprise in both sequences and in the original, anybody's joins in. Yeah, right. She and 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 the girls are not um, trying to extricate themselves or support Anita in the original, but they are in the in the remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, that's really nice, and I love that we're trying to add a little female solidarity, but it just felt yeah. so odd, like out of not that time period. But maybe mm-hmm. I'm being very cynical. I don't know. Right. No, I mean it's it's hard. How do I put this? Um, as an aging person, <laughs> as we all are, uh, it feels like a current time correct update. However, comma, but I don't know if it's because like it's from an old school film, not old school, but like an older school than we are currently film director. Like there was something that felt like a mismatch, like something wasn't wasn't fully aligned with how it was done. It felt parts of those moments felt like, oh, it's 2021. So we have to do this. Not, oh, this will make the story better. Yeah, Hmm. that's yeah. I kind of felt that way about the Lincoln Center thing, too. Like I thought it was very nice to have and sort of was a nice texture. But there are also is it's like kind of unnecessary because there's no payoff. Like, right. So I didn't know that that was actually not before, you know, like I didn't know that that was not a a, a connective point before. And like I I liked it because I was sitting in it. Mm-hmm. You know, but like other than that, there's no point to it. So a very an audience of a very very specific audience in the United States really connects, um, <laughs> but the rest not so much. 
Yeah, so I'll jump in here with... Um, yes, Shahir, uh, your thoughts. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I actually... So in terms of the... It's weird because I think to divide the, the conversation into two into two components diminishes is always already suggestive about the way i feel about the film because when the two components are unified then then it's a successful or you know a a more uh cohesive um uh experience but Mm -hmm. but but for me to like put one one technical hat on and say steven spielberg is a genius yes there's a reason he's a populist film he's one of the most significant populist filmmakers of our generation and still remains to be to this day his power is not diminished in any way in terms of that i actually find you know the, the thing as a filmmaker i'm always staggered by is spielberg's knowledge of where to place the camera at any given moment um i i i think it's 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 pretty natural with him you know like he's just has an ability and an understanding of like what screen direction is in a way that 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 seems to be diminishing even more these days as we get into like films that are choreographed in pre-production uh, and I'm always surprised the fact that we 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 have such a sort of command of pre-production now that films don't feel as well choreographed as the way Spielberg does it you know where he seems to understand exactly how to connect two shots in a way that is not only visually succinct but compelling um you know like he he understands that the handoff from one shot to the next matters and does it in a way that's so profoundly good like i even think scorsese who is his contemporary doesn't do it as well as like i i don't think anybody does it as well as spielberg does um so on a technical level, yes, Steven Spielberg hasn't made a musical before, but there was not a doubt in my mind that Steven Spielberg would have the utmost command of the, the sort of key components in terms of dance, choreography, the camera, music, sound for a musical. There's just no doubt in my mind. I will say, I was blown away by Robert Wise's version. I, I was blown away by the the 70 millimeter Technicolor sort of version of this all and i was staggered by that but but you know spielberg i I had no doubts about it so so on the one hand the technicalities not a question in my mind on the other side the sort of thematic reason for this to exist still didn't quite resolve in my brain as i watched this movie which is that i couldn't I, i walked out of this thinking like you like both of you I think the the sort of the Robert Moses uh, era of um, uh, of community dislocation that this film opens with, you know, it almost it it felt like Children of Men to me when we opened on the sort of um, the broken down buildings of the Lincoln Center that are going to be eventually recreated, and I and I was like, okay. That's what this is. This is this is the component that wasn't in the 1961 version that we are going to do this time around, and that's really what's going to hold this together. And if anyone can do that, Steven Spielberg can do that, and Tony Kushner, by the way. Um, but but as you say, that doesn't resolve by the end of it. It, yeah. it feels like a sort of interesting um, backdrop to put the story in, but not one that really comes to, that really coalesces into. Uh, a, a compelling reason for this film to exist. Mm-hmm. The the second thing is the the sort of ethnic updates that that this movie it redresses and and corrects in terms of imbalances. I thought were very good. You know, like the the idea the the language thing and not subtitling the film, um, actually having Puerto Ricans play Puerto Ricans. Uh, although I, Rachel Ziegler, I think, is Colombian. Um, mm-hmm. And not and not uh, Puerto Rican, but I felt that there was enough of a a sense that the 
the Latin experience, the, the Latin American experience was, was being funneled into this work as much as possible. That, however, still didn't compellingly, in my mind, differ too much from the original. I felt like there were little updates and touches that changed here and there. And I think Rita Marino's inclusion as Doc's widow, I believe, was probably the most significant one that actually sort of made sense. However, overall, the film itself didn't transform because of these changes. It really was, in my mind, still the same experiential story that we got in 1961 without too significant um, a change. And um, on top of all of that, I think I just left the film thinking, why does this exist? As opposed to, like, like I, I couldn't find a compelling reason that that this thematically transformed. And and again, watching it as, you know, the, the the quality that struck me in this version that wasn't in the original. I I really do think, by the way, um, Mike um, Mike Feist who plays Riff is astonishing. Like I I I was like. Uh, I I I really felt a film centered around him or um, uh, him or Anita. I think was the way to really radically reframe this thing um, because they were just so compelling. Both of them were just so compelling. Um, and it, like in the original, because of the sort of um, the slick back sort of fifties. Um, I guess what, what's the James Dean film that I'm thinking of rebel without a cause, the sort of, um, uh, that milieu of like street gangs in that area, which seemed Rockabilly quite quaint. almost. Yeah. The, yeah. The sort of, it seems quite quaint to me today. This new version really like riff and the jets felt so much more akin to the proud boys to me in yeah. this version or, or a white supremacist group. Um, and I really, and it was hard for me to reconcile that that's really what I felt like I was watching was a sort of uh, a group of young men who have been displaced by you know economic reasons, but believe that their their um, ethnic superiority is first and foremost important. Um, you know, like I really felt like we were watching, you know, the, the way to tackle this is to treat them like we, you know, treat the Proud Boys or, or, or any white superiority group or the, the Stop the Steal crowd of the January 6th insurrections, whatever it is. But it really felt like reframing the Jets in that way would make sense to me because that's what I felt like I was watching. Yet the film, again, doesn't radically... It does a lot to kind of redress the, the Sharks, but not a lot to redress the Jets who really were playing for me in that way. Right. Um, so again, I, I just... I left this feeling. I, I, I think it's all very admirable, and it's a it is well put together and really well constructed. But I don't know why it exists. Like I, I as in like I can't think of a compelling reason why this version so needed to needed to exist to transform what we had seen in 1961. If that makes any sense. I mean, I, I think, think it, it makes make, sense. Yeah. Um, I, look. It felt to me, and this is not to detract from the quality of what I just watched, but it felt to me like it was like Steven Spielberg wanted to make this movie because he liked the story and wanted to make this movie. Like, I don't, yeah. does it need to be made? No. 
<laughs> did did he go to a studio and be like, I want to make West Side Story? And they're like, great. Like, that. that's that's kind of what this feels like. And it could have gone in a cynical way much, much worse. And it didn't. Like, I think it worked very well. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, like, the, the problems with it aren't, aren't anything that he did as a director in the sense yeah, of like, yeah. the technical, technical side choices. still. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's sort of like... I mean, I think, frankly, from, I mean, to be very blunt about it, I think a lot of the changes were made to, like, prove that they did their research. Mm. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. To prove that, like, they're just not, like, these white guys who are showing up and, like, putting their hands all over everything, which, like, I mean, they kind of are. But, <laughs> like, I mean, it sort of softens the blow if right. if you do, and they did, put a lot of, like, genuine and thoughtful work into it. There's a lot um, of love on screen. There's a lot of like totally, you do yeah, feel totally. like there's the weight of history is really well considered in this film. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can but, I ask a silly question? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. It, it's derailing this conversation. I'm sorry, but I just saw an image while I was looking up some statistics of like uh, you know, I was looking up how much it made at the box office and it's sadly worldwide it's only at 38 right now, which sucks. 38 million for its 100 million budget. But in the picture that I just saw it's the scene, it's the sideways scene, which I'll probably use for our image. It'll have us peeking through a window or something on the graphic or whatever we want to do. In in the other version, was Maria so much shorter than Tony? Or is this yeah. in this version? That's a thing? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's like intentional that they're paired that way. But it no. was actually a big casting concern when they were casting the original Tony. Because they were like, he's just way too tall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because uh, in this I was like, it's just especially at the dance, and like I get that she's like eighteen and whatever, but she just looked like a child to me next to him, and I'm well, like, and this also is... she's seven years younger than him. Yeah. Oh, in real life. Yeah. Or in in the story in the real story. life. Rachel Ziegler yeah. is just out of high school, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think she also just like reads younger. Like she looks, yeah. she looks younger than she is. So like I'm yeah. looking at this image of him climbing the 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 fire escape and she's just standing and he's like climbing up and a little lower than her headwise but his legs just go like like <laughs> it's just weird like the proportions are odd and that did strike me again but to to the to the actor's credit to both um Ansel Algord yeah, yeah. and uh Rachel Ziegler like after a while I didn't care like it worked uh side I note yeah, Ansel, I couldn't not think about, even though I didn't watch Baby, it. Yeah, I, I really did think about, like, it felt like, I think, well, for me, it felt like he, his character walked out of Baby Driver, went to prison, and then came into this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was an odd, <laughs> it was an odd thing, but, you know, there's not, it's not, nothing wrong with it. I, actors, I, actors work. That's great. Well, let me, let me ask you this then. Um... On a superficial level, is the success of this film hinged upon, maybe hinged upon is the wrong word, but the the amount of emotional weight that we, the audience, give to Maria and Tony's relationship? Is that is that what carries us through the original, and does it carry us here? I can't speak to the original. Izzy, what do you, what do you think on that? I mean, I think it's part of it, but I don't think it's the whole thing. Because mm. I think, like... Whenever people talk about West Side Story and Romeo and Juliet, I think everybody talks about how 
the main character. Like, Ro- like uh, Tony and Maria kind of suck. Yeah. They're just, yeah, they're just straight men. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. They're not the ones with a little edge. They're not the funny ones. They're just kind of there to usher the story along, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. So on the, in the one hand, like you can't have them be so bad that it's distracting and you're not invested in them at all. But I also don't think they're, whether they're the best thing in the film is going to determine whether this, the film succeeds or not. Yeah. And, and I think for me, again, it was the, 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 the part that my brain zeroed into when I was watching it was Riff and Anita. I, I thought they were the mm-hmm. most electric screen presences and, and the most interesting story wise that I was like, I want to see their reaction to everything. And I, and I like I, in the case of Anita, I think Anita, like focusing the story around Anita would have been an interesting change. Uh, you know, if not only for the thing that you talked about, Matt, which is the 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 speed at which Maria forgets about her brother's death. Oh boy! <laughs> Why? Why? I mean, she also falls in love with Tony pretty quickly. No, no, no. I, look, fairy tale logic. I'll yeah. take it. I don't care. Why have the? This happens in the original too, by the way. Like sure, Tony sure. goes up to the house and you know, like or goes up to the apartment the and moment they sleep where together. they like sleep together or whatever. The night her brother dies, like yeah, it I, I, look, in the original. look, emotions are complicated, <laughs> and it sure I don't know. It just felt weird. Mm. I don't know. I a side note about about other characters that we were sort of interested. In. I thought uh, David Alvarez Bernardo. Uh, I was like. In. I was like psyched every time he came on screen. I was like, "Do we get to see him box?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, like I don't know. Uh, you're right, Izzy. To that point, the supporting cast is way more interesting than Tony and Maria. And right. I, they're it, just like lovebirds, and that's fine. But I yeah. don't think anybody thinks that's that interesting. I, I, I also agree with you that they that they suck. <laughs> like, yeah, like everyone around them will be like, "You two just suck right now." Please just <laughs> go away. <laughs> that would have been so. So okay. So case in point, we've been ta- we've been sort of dancing around the thing. Like, why was this made? We like it, right? We all like it. Why I'm was 50, it made? It. Yeah. Right? Oh, you're fifty. I'm, I'm apologize. Yeah. Uh, I could answer that question much more easily if it was told from some like a different character's perspective. That's possibly more interesting than Tony and Maria. Yeah, uh, and they didn't do that, which is fine. Like it's fine, but, but I, I can't, I can't actively defend. Like, oh well, Steven Spielberg made this movie because this, that, and the other thing. It's like I think, oh, Steven Spielberg made this movie to prove he can make this movie. Like yeah. that's what it feels <laughs> like, and he he did. He yeah, proved there's, it. there's no, there's no doubting. But like, I, I I think what we have to think about is not the the sort of mechanics of how it got made because you know like. Who's going to say no to Steven Spielberg wanting to make a movie, even now in in years where he hasn't had like a huge hit in many mm-hmm. years? Uh, it's still, you know, like we are all the children of Steven Spielberg sure. when it comes to why a movie gets made in general. You know, I'm sure everybody involved, um, whether they are well versed in in cinema history or not, knows the name Steven Spielberg and know that it's a significant name. And I think th- there's the, the other side of this is that West Side Story. Um, because of its best picture win, because of its place in in musical theater history and, and American musical history, um, carries so much weight that uh, transforming it, ha- you know, like has to be a radical act. And and this is not a radical act. This film is not a is not a. There's a um, lot of reverence for the the mm-hmm. original 
composition. Really. As as I think it should be, but I, but I had an interesting experience, which is that I I I didn't grow up with this musical, so I I watch it and think about you know what um um what uh, Francis Negron Montana wrote, you know, which is that when you watch it for the first time and you are uh, a person of color and ha- and don't have that sort of history of weight to it. Uh, it is this. It is this sort of odd artifice that uh, of time. That the same way, you know, I actually just watched um, His Girl Friday for the first time um, uh, about a month ago, uh, and the 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 weight of race in that movie. It, you know, like I I found our I think David Boardwell talking about that movie, and Boardwell is one of the foremost um, uh, film critics uh, who's who's wrote about wrote about film analysis, and I was I was so struck by the fact that that Boardwell you know, who talks so eloquently about His Girl Friday never talks about the, the the issue of race in His Girl Friday, which to me, having only seen it the, for the one time, was so prevalent. I was like, oh, this is this is entirely a movie about race. And, and you know, like that often doesn't get talked about. And when I watch West Side Story, I kind of think that about I think that about it as well, because I don't I, I didn't have the the opportunity to have it sort of seep through my DNA as part of like the collective film history. And, um, uh, it's, it strikes me then that I still kind of walk away going, I think, you know, like musicals had this sort of revival moment, um, probably fueled by La La Land, but a few other things as well. I think Baz Luhrmann has had more to do with the, the revival of, of musical theater in cinema than, than anyone, but I still don't know why. I still I still feel like fundamentally the act of reviving West Side Story in 2021, and I think, Izzy, you probably said it the best, which is that if we look at the trajectory of A Star is Born, this really does feel like the middle chapter, which is not the, the, not the one that is going to define the, the entire endeavor at all, right? Like, I, that's, that's just the way read. I walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Hey, would you say would you say we're far from the shallows now? <laughs> Is that where we're? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is it's an interesting conversation generally because, like, I mean, this is something people who love classic film and who love musicals deal with literally all the time because everything yeah. we love <laughs> has some shitty thing in it. Everything, yeah, of course. Like yeah. anytime I want to watch, like. Rogers and Hammerstein, like probably going to have some issues, whatever. And, you know, at the time they were like, oh, this is so progressive and whatever. And, you know, you can respect that for what it is then, but it's like, now it obviously doesn't read well. And it's like, how do you, I mean, like, what do you do? What do you, do you engage with it still? Do you not? Um, I don't think anyone has a good answer for it. And I still don't even know how to explain how I enjoy those things. Right. Without without say, being like, oh, I'm terrible. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> and, and classic and, films and video games. No, no, Both and, I, and I apologize. Sort of I don't. Camp. I don't want to make it seem like our engagement with it reinforces the 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 problematic aspects. I I think what I'm saying is um, is that it feels like the film hasn't hasn't diverted enough from what made it in, like what from its own history to make it compelling today like like i i agree with you that 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 everything is problematic and and you know like 
we we should interrogate every work that we that we love uh, in order to understand it better. And and that doesn't diminish our capacity to love it. It just enriches our understanding of it over time. But but I I I I think what I'm I'm trying to get at here is like I I don't see the compelling. I don't see the compelling reason to thematically do this. I see the compelling reason financially. I see the compelling reason for mm-hmm. Spielberg to want to, you know, put this quiver in his bow kind of thing. But I don't see the the compelling. What's funny is like, and this is, I almost made a compilation of them doing this. Um, right. But like, watch any interview about this movie from the mm-hmm. cast or the filmmakers. And yeah. they're, they all say this. They're like, it is important now more than ever. Right. More than yeah. ever. And that's, oh. and you're just and that's like, what I don't get in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm just like, okay. Because um, <laughs> it really sounds like a really lazy way of being like, our country is very racist, particularly toward Latin Americans, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, obviously what's going on in the border. And people relate yeah. it like specifically to what's happening at the border with West Side Story, which feels mm-hmm. very inappropriate to me because they're not <laughs> the same thing at all like um it's like to lump like puerto ricans in with that conversation seems um strange uh (laughs) so but but um, classically american yeah yeah yeah. really yeah so i'm just like i'm very interested in i think i think it's the problem that people have with west side story now and what they had with it before is that it's like really easy to take the simplest moral lesson from it which is like racism is bad and like we should love each other like (laughs) that's kind of what what you take away from it if you're like um 10 like i was do you know what i mean and like yeah yeah. i don't even know if i take that away i just hear racism is bad period like i I don't (laughs) even get that we should love each other like everyone like maybe the original has more feuding is wrong because if if you're taking it from like romeo that's what romeo and juliet is right 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 so it's just like it seems like everybody's on that level instead of uh, and that is probably what the text deserves because it's not that complicated mm. Yeah, as it was originally written. It was written as Romeo and Juliet, which isn't a like of a, 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 like a macro sociopolitical statement, <laughs> which <No>. like people <laughs> are trying to now make it into and like, you know, you know, it's there are all these holes in it that aren't going to be fulfilled by the skeleton of the story as it currently exists. Yeah. And and I think it needs a, it needs a kind of radical transformation in order to make it compelling and interesting in, in that context, right? Like I I think it needs a real, uh, Mm -hmm. a complete overhaul entirely. And again, not to diminish from the original, you know, the, the original can still exist as it does. And, and again, I was, pretty pretty dazzled by the original to be honest with you i like i did walk away from it kind of going wow that is a movie um yeah. you know, also, and i mean book- i think i think it's interesting to be like why are we asking west side story to even fulfill these needs right. and the reason we're asking that is because there is a dearth of latin american content like in the united states we're not making any movies about the latin american experience except yeah. and like in the heights is actually the one that probably does more accurately speak to what it's like to be like um latino in new york specifically but like everybody mm. ignored that yeah. <laughs> and like so the reason we're just like we don't have anything else going on and so that's we're asking this one musical that was written over 60 years ago based on a text that was written hundreds of years ago 
to right. like respond to our current moment. And that feels like you've already failed the premise before you get to the final film. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to flip it, uh, flip what I'd been saying um, in the other way, which is that there's an interesting relationship that we have two films that represent minorities, even if they represent them poorly, which is, in my experience, you know, like whenever I see, and I know this is the case with my family as well, whenever we see a film with an Indian person in it, regardless of the context in which that representation is happening, that is an exciting moment for us. And we know that, you know, like regardless of, of how it's going to be perceived or what have you, that is a compelling reason to see it. Um, and, and I think, you know, like I, I know I was reading today about Jennifer Lopez's love of West Side Story and the original West Side Story. And I think there is this other side to this, which is that there are a few films that represent, you know, that, that, that feature Puerto Rican characters, especially in the original and for Rita Moreno to, to win the, the, the best supporting actress, uh, Oscar for this was a big moment for a community that had you know, is largely underrepresented uh, on screen. So there's there's a sort of like duality to this, which is that when we see the cast talking about how important the weight of this film is because of the amount of representation on screen and re- redressing some of the, the sort of, not superficial balances, but the, the sort of redressing some of the sort of immediate problems of the original in this remake, those are actually important things to do. Those actually do matter. And I don't want to, like, my, my sort of questioning of the of the the raison d'etre of this entire thing shouldn't deter from like yeah it is important to see ourselves upon you know on screen and to have like representation even if you know like and and no one film should have to bear the weight of all representation which i think is a really problematic thing as well which is why i'm always uh there was a time when it was very difficult as an indian person to not be referenced some dog millionaire in a conversation because it felt like that was the only film that people under had a reference point for with how to navigate my culture um so like no one film should have to do that and so it's unfair in some ways for me to kind of like can make the conjecture that West Side Story has to do all of this stuff. You know what but I mean? But I would argue <laughs> that the marketing campaign and the reason why they're saying this thing exists is putting that narrative forward or at least helping about it. Like oh, it, it totally wa- is. It wants to be that even though it shouldn't and it can't be. Like it has like it has a big like pat yourself on the back vibe. About yeah, it yeah, it really I does. Don't love. Yeah. But. Well, there you go. This has been the only podcast about the 2021 film, specifically West Side Story. Izzy, thank you so much for coming on once again to discuss uh, a film with us. It is always an absolute pleasure when you are not gracing us with your presence. Where can folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at BK Rewind, on YouTube at Be Kind Rewind, and on Instagram at BK underscore Rewind. Very nice, very nice. Shahir, when you are not, um, uh, I don't know, dancing around me trying to take my gun, I got nothing. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me being cool, boy. Don't act a fool, boy. Be real cool. At my website, that dot com that's s-h-a-h-i-r-d-a-u-d dot com matt when you are uh traversing the rubble of the lincoln square uh and finding the remnants of a robert moses poster where can people find you you can find me eating nerds rope 
three blocks away from where this film took place. Over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-U-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over on Extra Credits. I believe by the time this came out, we'll be wrapping up our holiday break. And we will have finally fulfilled, everybody, our last thing we had to do for our charity stream we did on my birthday. Uh, we broke a, a, a goal for the Rise Above the Disorder charity. They're a great charity. And uh, we, we, we said that Zoe, my cat, would write, produce, direct, and edit an episode <laughs> uh, and do the art. And I've always wanted Zoe to be a guest on this show, by the way. I've, I've well, really, oh, I she was she meowing be a all the cats. time. Yeah, uh, but the the uh, the point of that is that is finally out, and it is a love letter to both everyone's generosity and adopting animals and the ASPCA where Zoe came from. It's called the History of Zoe. It's out right now. Please go check that out. It's something different than what we normally do. Um, and then on the opposite spectrum, we also have our series on Japanese militarism uh, in the lead up to World War Two, um, and it is terrifying and prescient. And we should learn from history. Please, thank you. Uh, check that out as well. Next week, we'll be back with Izzy, the movie. Izzy, what are you looking forward to seeing? Can you give us some guidance here on what what movie would you want to uh, want to hear us talk about? Oh, I haven't seen literally anything yet. I think right. I've only seen West Side Story pretty much. So um, anything, yeah. I mean, I'm most looking forward to seeing Licorice Pizza, I think. Yeah, Licorice I, Pizza's up there for me. Yeah, I, I just, I, I would be bummed to, to not see Licorice Pizza in 70 Mill. Um, so that would kind of bum me out. And But I don't think I'm going to at this point. Uh, I think uh, the Hamaguchi is it Hamaguchi I always get his name wrong but Drive My Car is one I'm really interested in Mike Mills's Come On Come On should, is one that should be on there's so many movies we were just talking about this in the interim that we always push our best of 2021 list like into February or March because there's just so many great movies that come out here uh, if you can check out Barack Obama's Twitter uh, tweet on the best films of 2021 which is always a surprisingly a good guide of what is worth checking out yeah um, uh, Izzy, before we go, there was a moment on Twitter. I think it happened a couple of weeks ago, where um, uh, you did a you did a video on Lee Grant overcoming the blacklist, and she actually tweeted back at you, and uh, I cheered when she uh, when she actually tweeted about uh, how well researched your piece was, uh, and it was such a great video. And I, it was like it was just a cool moment to to kind of see that happen. Oh yeah, I was very very excited and blown away by it. I was like, yeah. I'm just glad she didn't yell at me for stealing footage from her <laughs> from her movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Or yep. for like basically telling her she was misremembering her own blacklisting, which I kind of did in the, <laughs> in, in the video as well, which is like fine. But yeah. I was very I was very very happy. Nice. Yeah, that was a great. Nice. That was a, a great uh, a great 2021 moment in a sea of shitty 2021 moments. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, please check out that video for Be Kind Rewind and all of the videos of Be Kind Rewind uh, over on the YouTubes. And I guess until next time, uh, we'll be talking at your ear holes next week about a film we don't know yet. <laughs> but we'll, we'll maybe we'll go on Twitter and say, hey, what do you want to hear? Because uh, I could do any of the ones we listed. I could also do Don't Look Up or The Matrix or or something. I I, I don't know. It's too much going on. And There's again, good movies. to Izzy's point and the original thing, we are living in the in-between time right now. <laughs> I don't want to make decisions. Yeah. I am the couch. <laughs> Cuckoo kachoo. I don't know. Anyway, thanks so much. Boy. All, right. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.